and welcome to the 250, the podcast where you gotta be fucking kidding. I'm Douglas, and with me as always is my co-host Jonathan. How are you, Jonathan? I'm great, Douglas. That's wonderful to hear. Douglas? And also- Nothing. I was about to tell you off for not lining that up properly. <sighs> and then also returning to the podcast is our uh, second time guest here on the 250, Alex. How are you, Alex? I'm very well. Thanks for bringing me back. <laughs> it's, uh, thank you for accepting to, to return. It's, uh, <laughs> you've been here in the madhouse once and then you decided, nah, let's do more of that. Yeah, look, it was a tough decision. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm very grateful. It was a lot of red tape and management, but I'm glad you can make it back. We last had Alex for our Nausicaa episode, and uh, they gave some very insightful commentary on uh, Nausicaa. So can't wait to see what you bring here, Alex. I appreciate that you describe my uh, interjections as insightful. I don't think anyone else would. <laughs> Put it on the resume. If this is your first time tuning in on the 250, we've taken a snapshot of IMDb's top 250 movies of all time as of January 2020, and we have begun watching them from number 250 through to number one. In this podcast, we discuss our opinions, thoughts, and reactions to the movies within. Today's movie is number 164, The Thing. A group of American research scientists at a remote outpost in Antarctica find themselves disturbed by a group of panicked Norwegians. Led by no-nonsense R.J. McCready, the men of the outpost slowly uncover just what has gotten the Norwegians all shook up. You're right. There was a bit of uh, pre-podcast banter where I was really, John was saying I was going on about the Norwegians a lot. And now listening to you read it in like your proper podcast voice, I'm like, okay, I get it. (laughs) That's That's too many... That's that's too, too many much about the Norwegians. Too many Norwegians in two sentences. Too, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get on, the idea, Norway, guys. What's going on? When you say the word too many times and it loses meaning. Mm. Norwegians, mm. Norwegians. The thing is directed by John Carpenter, who is known for Big Trouble in Little China, Halloween, and They Live, amongst a couple of other films. Uh, it is written by Bill Lancaster, who is known for the bad news bears and, like, basically fuck all else. So, good on you, Lancaster. And then the original novel uh, that the story of the thing is thought to have been based on is by a science fiction writer, John W. Campbell Jr. And the novel was Who Goes There? Didn't, um, was the, I think the novel was called The Thing from Outer Space, or am I? No, it's Who Goes There is the novel, and there's a 1950. Two movie? Called 52 or 51, the, yeah. Yeah, called The Thing from Outer Space. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, the like first the thing. Which is what springboarded Carpenter to make uh, this. Was, he was inspired by that film and then basically did his own shtick on it. Um, Alex has seen The Thing before. Jonathan and I have not. Hmm. Which is uh, a little odd because we've discovered we're big carpenter heads, Douglas. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially you, Jonathan. You got a real kick out of Big Trouble in Little China, oh. didn't you? Oh, what? You're saying you didn't, Douglas? No, I, I did as well. But, like, you definitely got more of a kick out of it than I did. It is a great movie. Like, It's an absolute cracker. It's insane. Like, definitely go check out Big Trouble in Little China if you haven't. I mean, anyone who is a Carpenter fan has probably already absolutely demolished his discography, you know? Like, he's he's got so many cult classic films, you know? Uh, it's also worth noting, uh, The Thing came out the same year as Blade Runner. And oh. both of these films went on to become cult classics. Damn. 
Same day as Blade Runner, even. Same day. Absolutely panned by critics at the theatres. Um, completely bombed in box office earnings and everyone- Wait, The Thing did as well. Hated it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing absolutely bombed. Um, Ennio Morricone's score got uh, voted for a Razzie for the worst score of the year. <sighs> yeah, it's um, it was just absolutely slammed, which makes- very minimal sense to me because I quite enjoyed the thing. And the irony being that I think his score was sampled for the Hateful Eight, which got nominated. Yes, correct. Yeah. 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 Oh it, my goodness. It didn't just get nominated, Alex. Yeah, it, it won, won the Academy Award. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. There were bits, of, unused bits of the score that he had made for the thing, which were then resampled for the Hateful Eight, and then yeah, he actually won the Academy Award uh, because of <laughs> those resample bits, which is ah, uh, it's full circle goodness that we love here on the Two Five O baby. John, tell me about the thing. What do you think of the thing? Here's the thing. Tell me what you thought of I, the thing. It's fun. I think. I think my real problem with the thing is I think. Fuck! It's gonna What's be such a, such an issue. The thing about the thing, Douglas. Um, I bet that joke has never been made before. No, absolutely not. It was a very very enjoyable experience. It has some real crackers of special effects in there, obviously, um, visual effects, etc. I think the problem with it is that so much of it is done so well. I just found myself fucking nitpicking the bits that that were maybe missed. And there's a couple of them. I got I got a list. I'm not it's maybe not even worthwhile talking through them. You little fucking Yeah, no, cynical, I'm cynical prick over here, aren't you? Hey, hey, hey. Douglas, I'm a critic, okay? <laughs> <laughs> the work of a critic. <laughs> I actually the the soundtrack and feel free to shoot me down, guys. The soundtrack, I think this, the soundtrack's like really Really varied. There's yeah. some really, really kind of basic, not basic, I guess grounded, uh, like ambient tracks. And then there's some kind of the action-y tracks all feel really different. And then there's some more like, I don't know, 80s-y, like jazzy type shit almost. Which if I was to make a complaint about, and I guess I am <laughs> about the <laughs> soundtrack, then that might be it. They maybe, I don't think everything kind of meshed well, but this, I still enjoyed all the tracks. It was just kind of gave a little bit of whiplash here and there. There's also this weird soundtrack, uh, this weird sound effect they keep using whenever the spoiler thing happens. I mean, are we gonna are we gonna spoil when the thing? Am I allowed to say that? Is that spoiling? Well, I mean, it's happens. the title of the film. It is the yeah, title yeah. of the film. Yeah. Um, there's like a weird sound effect they do, and I think they most only do it in the last half of the film but it's like well, a like, synthy yeah, is that the dun dun i mean it's like, no, it's like a kind oh, of noise yeah 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 which is very it's odd like a sting. yeah <laughs> yeah well i'm not even sure if it's supposed to be a sting i think it's supposed to be you don't think so anyway not that it matters a sting <laughs> it only thing. yeah a thing so sting. <laughs> i'm so yeah. sorry <laughs> <laughs> i mean it was right there we completely Man. laid it out for you so yeah i think that's a that's a pretty valid um critique john i don't know i love morricone's stuff i just i think that's because i also grew up on westerns so i mm. think morricone's also got a bit of a soft spot in my heart that thumping fucking bass i'm always there for that just those yeah bass chords mm, baby i'm always here for that and i'm a bass player myself so i'm absolutely down to fuck with that alex how many times have you watched the thing and did it hold up on this perhaps more analytical viewing it's probably my i want to say third or fourth watching i've watched it a few times over the years so it's been the last time i watched it probably would have been two or three years ago when i was going through films with my partner because she has completely missed all films made from 1980 to 9 to 2015 
Wow. That's yeah. a big hole. <laughs> yeah, I know. Got, we've got a, a list that we're working through. Um, That's, yeah, yeah. Uh, us too, actually, like Alex. Yeah. Funny <laughs> mention. Good. I'm so glad there are other people with film lists. I thought I was the only one. Uh, yeah. I, it's always weird going back and watching movies with an analytical eye because I have to actually question why I like things versus just, like, vibing with it. Yeah. It's a great totally. way to ruin movies for you. It's an excellent, excellent <laughs> yeah. way. We've done about half of the <laughs> half of the bonus films we've gone, this is great. And then you start thinking about it critically and you're like, this is terrible. And I hate myself for liking it. <laughs> I'm very glad I didn't do the Blade Runner episode with you then. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I don't know. I think it holds up. It's hard to it's hard not to look at a movie in light of the last, I guess the thing is 40, 40 years old next year. Um and Fuck. all the advances in 40 years old. Yeah. But, like, so I also watched the 2011 The Thing. Ah. And I got to say that puts it into perspective. You watch that and the 1982 film, and you're like, nah, 1982 film is way better. Mm. I saw snippets of it. I was going, I was on the Thing fandom wiki to try and, I was trying to work out what happened to all the characters because it wasn't 100% clear. I think that's maybe, that's not really a critique because, because it was only one or two things. They do quite a good job of- bringing in a lot of distinct characters and giving them- they, Everyone's got nicknames, so yeah. you're not like, okay, well, Jeff and John and Joshua, <laughs> I don't have to fucking tell those kinds of parts. Like, Windows, yeah. Childs, Blair, Clark, like, a lot easier. McCready. McCready, which is the most Kurt Russell character That's name as well. most Kurt Russell-ass name, but did you know they actually didn't have Kurt Russell first in mind? I'll tell you who the other actors were that- uh, Carpenter had in mind a little bit later on in the podcast, but it is regardless. Uh, when you put it on, you put that name and you put Kurt Russell side by side, you're like, yes. Yeah, well, obviously it's going to be Kurt Russell. Equates it's- one plus one equals two. Yeah, exactly. And they do lots of cool stuff with little kind of character quirks that I loved. The mm. intro to everyone at the start is great. They have Knowles is like rollerblading in one bit. They've got mm. someone's like just. Smoking a blunt. There's this whole deal about how the captain has Palmer. this pistol, and everyone's like, because I think the captain is military or something, and they're like, yeah, oh, he was just waiting for an opportunity to use that kind of thing. Where the they fuck really does Palmer get weed in the middle of Antarctica? Yeah, how, he's got a stash somewhere that he's like, it's just never ending. He just mm. brought over Antarctica. And he was like, this shit's gonna last me forever. He's got a bag the size of my head, and he has to get it. <laughs> he has to get it re- replenished every every spring when people nah. come back. The rescue team comes in. Yeah. Um, yeah, the rescue team indeed, <laughs> Douglas. <laughs> but I thought that was excellent uh, characterization of everybody, which is kind of important because otherwise it would be an absolute nightmare to kind of track who your suspicions are and, and things like that. Hmm. If you if you didn't know what was who we're talking about, what's going on, um, who's Blair? Fuck it. I don't know. You know. So they they do an excellent job with that and and also yeah. introduce them in a way that seems realistic. They've got kind of clearly some tension between characters and stuff. Like that whole intro is fucking great. It's so so good, and I think it's better intro than we have, especially character intro than we have in a lot of other films where they don't have to force much exposition. They sort of just throw everyone in there. You get to by putting the problem in front of all these characters, you then get to get an idea of how they interact with everyone else. Um, really it, easily. it weirdly reminds me of like the 
intro to Alien, which actually shouldn't weirdly remind me, like, the thing borrows pretty heavily from it, but, like, the having the interaction of the crew, the, the researchers at the base, and mm. clearly giving them their defined, like, characters as, yeah, like you said, they're easily recognizable. They all have specific character traits that makes them distinct from one another. Mm. Similar intro to Prisoners, Douglas, I just realized. I'm just thinking yeah, about it. Mm, actually. He the same thing. But I think Prisoners is less interesting because it's, like, Two children, so they're basically not characters at all. Who gives a fuck about those guys? <laughs> <laughs> children going missing? Who the fuck cares? Who cares? I don't Jonathan care about them. Jonathan said it. 250, 2022. <laughs> they, are, they are plot devices. They are not characters. <laughs> Jonathan 2022. Children are plot devices, not characters. <laughs> Well, that one's not going to come back and bite you in the ass. I'm oh, pretty no. sure, Jonathan. Douglas isn't going to sample that in 10 episodes. <laughs> I agree. It's very... Um, there's a weird kind of Cluedo sense to, mm. to the film that I really wasn't expecting. This is also... Correct me if I'm wrong, Jonathan. This is our first proper horror. Like, as far as films go that we have had, this is the first film that you can unequivocally classify in terms of genre. It's a horror. Like, it's science fiction horror, but it's a horror. Yeah, yeah. I right? yeah for sure. We've had other films that are like drama, but we've like, had other films that like made me feel a lot more uncomfortable and squeamish. a lot worse. But yeah. but this is the one that is the most clearly trying to be a horror. I you can maybe argue some of the thrillers, maybe. Yeah, I guess. Mm, in a sense. But this is the intention. It's got a thing in it, Douglas, and you know things yes. are scary. It's got the thing, and we all, we're all pretty scared of things, so it's pretty mm. rigid-ditch horror, mm. uh, as far as we're concerned. Yeah, I, I'm fucking- I'm keen to get some of the other, you know, quote-unquote classic horrors under the belt, like, you know, mm. The Shining. Um, I'm pretty sure a lot of people consider, like, Clockwork Orange to be a bit of a horror. I don't know, Alex, you, you just gave me your face there. Do, do, you, do you disagree with that? I, I, I've never considered- I would- Clockwork Orange is very discomforting, but maybe I wouldn't. But not a horror. It. Yeah, interesting. Maybe it's maybe, maybe, it's ho- been... maybe it's horrific. Yes. Yeah. Perhaps not. Uh, putting it. I, I know extremely little about Clockwork Orange. That said, me too. So. I'm reading the book though. I, I want to get the the book under my belt. So then, when we get to the um the film, I'll be able to compare. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> fucking stay tuned on that. I'm like halfway through it. It's quite quite a good book. Just mise en scène and the detail of all of the settings for the thing is insane. Like the uh the way that Carpenter and his production design team and the set design team have all laid out Antarctica and like some of it's on fucking soundstage uh sets, which is insane to think about. Like how they capture that energy and that essence of Antarctica on those sets is quite magical i think um just the iciness and the coldness and Mm. yeah a lot of really great lighting work as well antarctica makes it almost as good as space by the way like as as far as like science fiction like horror shit goes i was like you could put like this would easily translate to a space setting but having it in antarctica makes it way more interesting there is some you really some stuff that's really unique to an extremely cold environment i don't want to talk about too much because mm. i feel like i feel like some of it's you don't sort want to, of yeah again into you got blood and like corpses kind mm. of type stuff it's always oh, yeah, like lots of blood yeah it's always very fun with the cold and it also makes like outside a bit of a threat on top of other threats that might be happening so mm. 
I feel like we setting. should probably give a very similar warning to the warning that we gave our audience for Akira in that uh, we can't handle lots of gory stuff and mm-hmm. like maybe a little bit of like body horror kind of energy. I don't think the thing is for you. Maybe <laughs> take the thing and send it on elsewhere. <laughs> take that thing back. Put that thing back where I came from. Put also that- help me. <laughs> also um, help me. Actually, like, it's Son kind of funny you touched on that, like, body horror. I Is is there any body horror be- prior to, like, 1982 that is, like, definitively body horror? Because I would argue that the thing is, hey, like- What's Akira? Akira is 84, right? 89, I think, Akira came out. 88. All right. Um, hey, the flight, the wow, flight, yeah, the flight came after this. Yeah. What about Tetsuo, Iron Man? Yeah. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 1989. Oh, wow. So, shit. All this stuff is in the 80s. Just, like, shit that's kind of just typed into Google and seen what's kind of tossed at me. I assume there was horror as a concept before this. Yeah. Looks like, like Human um, Centipede 3 only came out in 2015. What the fuck? <laughs> I thought it came still out going. More- way further along that the blob and the fly are what mm. a couple of people uh allegedly considered to be some of the like foundings of body horror which was 1958 both of those okay yeah, and i'm thinking fly. like i always think of cronenberg as one of the like stylistic mm. masters of body horror so like videodrome mm. was 83 mm. fly was 86 but then he like his first film was stereo in 69 so but i haven't seen mm. that so i can't comment fly 58 Visually is an extremely different film to the newer fly. I forget which the, I forget which the newer one is. But they've I, they've got a side by side of the two like fly creatures, and they're um they're a bit different, Douglas. They're a bit different creature dudes. <laughs> Wait till you see uh, the thing from another world. It's just a dude with um some pasty looking makeup. Hell yeah. <laughs> Uh, they just whacked him in the makeup there for about half an hour and they went we need him on set in 15 and they went shit <laughs> just slap whatever in the drawers he's just some slamming guy it on it with, just slamming it on it with paintbrushes Jesus I don't know some of the shit in here like was legitimately unsettling and like I've I've watched mm. Suspiria and like that fucked me up and like this gave me like equal levels of just made my stomach turn a little like not to like i'm nauseous but i was just like oh god ew christ alive what i've seen suspiria felt way worse (laughs) i think it was equal jonathan (laughs) you said i'm not saying it's i'm saying it's not equal i'm saying i was the other problem is and i can squeeze this one in before we jump to spoiler zone Mm. it's a little um it's a little bit of a shame that because this is such sort of a well-known thing and people talk about the, the special effects of the thing and all this. You, you, you'll you stumble across these videos on YouTube. I've done it a bunch of times. And that really, like, spoils a bunch of shit, mm. which ugh, there's there's a great one near maybe two-thirds in that's excellent, which I, we'll talk about directly after this, I guess. In spoilers, yeah. But I but I got it all spoiled for me, which is kind of a bummer. And, like, even the, 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 the main conceit of the film would have been so cool if you had no idea what it was until it started happening. Yeah, well, I mean, I went pretty dry. Like, I didn't know any of the uh, the big quote-unquote set pieces mm. of this film, so I guess I had... Uh, that's perhaps why I might have been more affected by it than you were, Jonathan, because I had not seen any of... Um, uh, fuck, who is it that we credit credit the special effects department? It's Rob. Rob Botton. He was Rob Botton. 21 when he did this. Oh. When he was working on this shit. Yeah. What am, what am I How doing? How fucked is that? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, by the way, Rob Botton also did stuff for Airplane. 
Oh, there you go. <laughs> Full fucking circle, baby. He's living his life. He's he living our airplane, life, Douglas. And then he did the. He must have done Airplane when he was like 19, because this Airplane was 1980. Oh, my goodness. Christ alive. What a man. Good on you, Rob. Anyway. Well, anyway, Jonathan, would you recommend. Uh, here's the thing. What do you think of the thing? What do you want to tell the people about the thing? Well, the thing about the thing. I already did that bit. I already did that joke. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's, it's, it's annoying. I don't. If you're going to watch it, don't watch it critically. Jesus. Yeah. Like. That is that is an absolute Just killer fine. to it because I kept nitpicking it and shit. And there's so it's much good it. stuff that if you like look for bad stuff, you'll just fucking ruin the film for yourself. So don't do that. It's a it's a very good experience. It's a great great time. Yeah. Good good, good yeah. fucking film. I love, I love Carpenter. Carpenter yeah. is just such a gem. Big big weird energy. Alex, would you recommend the thing? Yes, uh, it's not for everyone. I I really like it. It's a uh, I think probably on a rewatch. Definitely think one of my favorite films. But if you're a bit squeamish, if you're not yeah. into like sci-fi or horror, it's not for you. But if you are, you'll love it. If you looked at Akira or Alien and went, that looks a bit much for me, then yeah. The thing perhaps isn't for you. Well, now we're going to delve on over into spoiler zone. Uh, Alex, give us a give us a spoiler something, a sound of some form, whatever. First thing that pops into your head. All right, I'll do the I'll do the like the thing, the music sting, the dun dun spoilers. What were you saying? What were you saying, Alex? You were you were talking about the ending. Yes, you just you're cutting straight into it, straight into the meat, right into spoiler territory. It, it was actually super controversial at the time, but one of my favorite things about this movie is the ending. Like it ends, and you're like, yeah. hmm. It's it's super dark. It's they're going to die. Probably is one of them the thing. Who knows? Maybe. Probably. I agree. It's got that Blade Runner energy, you know. But rather than Blade Runner and the whole fucking oh no spoilers for Blade Runner. I can't talk about that. Um, there's a thing to Blade Runner that is very similar to what the thing does with its ending, and. I, I saw that and I was like, hmm, interesting. Both films, same day, same kind of shtick. But I like the way that the thing does it better. Yeah, yeah. But I also think, oh, yeah, I mean, it's way better in the thing because- In how it's delivered. I think the the fact that it could be, it truly could be anyone and you don't have, mm. like, a wealth of knowledge to kind of pull back on- and it also wouldn't feel contrived if it was, which is the problem with Blade Runner's ending and the question yes. with Blade Runner. So Yes, the big final question mark in Blade Runner, yeah. Oh my god, there's a 2002 video game. Yep. It looks horrific. Yes, there is a 2002 video game that Carpenter considers to be canon, by the way. Actually, looks sick. Carpenter considers it, it to be canon to the whole, like, yep. the story, the whole fucking shtick. It answers the ending. Um, it goes very Resident Evil. Ah. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of wild. Uh, there's some fun Let's Play. I think Germa has a Let's Play of it. All right. Oh, yeah. Gonna knock that. Put, put that <laughs> one in my notes. Put that on the watch list, absolutely. I think structure-wise, I was thinking this, and I was really wishing that the film didn't have the flying saucer bit at the start. Yeah. I think it was- when I first watched it, I was like, I feel like I don't even care if it's from space or if it's like a mutation or something. And then you get into the film, I was like, okay, that will like that integrates well with the story for it to be like an alien spaceship and that kind of thing. But the saucer right at the start, like it would be so cool if they just showed up and they're like, what were they looking at at here? And and by the time they say that, you're like, okay, well, it's obviously the big flying saucer thing. It's the thing. saucer that was at the start. Yeah. But but if you got there and it's like, here's a giant flying saucer, fuck you. I'd be like, oh my fucking God, that's, that's incredible. I'm so glad I found that out. Uh, I mean, I, structurally, I guess there's not much else like that. 
I think that's I think it's a great mat, that UFO. I assume it's a matte painting. The the big like the wide shot one where they're like walking around on it and stuff. Or- yeah. Well it's probably yeah, it not looks a set. Like it, it? <laughs> yeah, no, God no. I don't think there's much CG in this, uh, if any. Yeah. Nah, Is surely there? not. None. Sure. Tron was like the first CG movie and Tron came out just after this. Oh, there you gotcha. go. There you go. Question answered. That would- See, um, this is why we bring Alex on. <laughs> Otherwise, Jonathan and I would be sitting here going, oh, fuck it. We move on. <laughs> Life's too short. The- Well, I guess while we're talking about it, the special effects, the special effects were the little- Things, the things. I'm going to um, I'm going to avoid making puppet complaints because Douglas hated that last time I did. Uh, I think they mostly look fucking excellent. You remember like Jurassic Park, and oh, I was like, right. I wish yes, they didn't yes, look yes. like hand puppets. And you're like, oh, it's it's as good as they could do at the time. Suspend disbelief, Jonathan, for no. five seconds. I simply cannot. I am watching a film critically. I cannot suspend disbelief. Uh, but I think, like, 90% of the time, they look really quite convincing. And the only issues I had was two of the things is, like, there's, like, the dog head and there's, like, the Norwegian corpse that has, like, the two heads that are pulled apart from each other. They look just look very plasticky, which just felt a bit odd. But everything else was fucking excellent. The bit where he's, like, doing the autopsy and cutting apart, you're like, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I believe oh, you. I believe it's- that's actually a cause. <laughs> I was going to say, the scene where they're doing the blood test and it cuts to, I think it's Palmer's as he transforms, and there's, like, yeah. a clear lighting difference, and I, yeah. they used a different film, I think, from looking at it. And I'm like, oh, that's that part has not aged well. <laughs> <laughs> there's just, yeah, there's little bits like that um, here and there. But- Stuff where, yeah, I think, like, the first time, like, when the dog sort of, like, opens up and it, like, I think it looks like a pretty legitimate, like, husky and then its head starts, like, <laughs> like peeling away. Into, like, a flower. Splitting out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That shit looks really legit. The the tentacles always look a little bit silly, but I'll give them I'll give them a pass. That's okay. There's a there's a cool like frantic energy to them though, mm. which makes it kind of terrifying, you know, because mm. it seems so like wispy and out of control. And the defibrillator bit is oh fucking. That's what got I got me. spoiled. That's what I got spoiled. Got- I was oh, so. Really? So oh, unhappy so that I got good. that spoiled because I was just so like, good. he does the first one and I'm like, because I'm waiting, like tension's up and up and up and I'm waiting for shit to hit the fan and then he just caves in through his stomach and I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Yeah. It's yeah. a mouth. <laughs> I'm so pissed about that. That's potentially, potentially the that best one because yeah. it's also got this huge shock factor to it and you do not fucking see it coming. And then also with that particular creature, the head like- stretching and then like pulling away and then, toppling off. Yes. And then like continuing to move as it's on the ground yeah. is fucking <laughs> crazy like it's so well done and it's truly mm. disgusting oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so creative so vividly creative to have this like for rob to go like okay it's getting incinerated alive but then it's gonna have a thing that's gonna sprout out of its chest and go up to the fucking ceiling <laughs> but then as it's getting burned its head's gonna topple off the fucking table and then the head's gonna go claws and then carpenter's like uh-huh uh-huh and he's like writing things down <laughs> and Taking it's gonna sprout notes. eyes and then its mouth is still gonna be uh-huh i see yes <laughs> <laughs> i gather oh. there were some like financial restrictions on them and not all of the sets and creatures they wanted Ended up being in there. The, they On blew the their special effects budget by like ten times. Their budget was like two hundred thousand, yeah. and they spent over one and a half million dollars on it. Oh, yeah. oh, 
the um, whole budget for the film was $15 million, which was much higher than what uh, horror films at the time mm. would get. I'm pretty sure Halloween was working on about a $700,000 budget. Oh, okay. Around that neck of the woods. So, yeah. yeah Significantly was, higher. Yeah, yeah. Just a little bit more to work Just a smidgen. With, which, Only 20 yeah. times more than Halloween. <laughs> although, <laughs> although there is, um, you know, kind of a difference special effects wise between those two. And, and um, yeah. horror films tend to be fairly cheap to make, tend to be, unless you've got complex special effects or CG or things like that. Like, those are kind of the only times, and most of the times you can get away with make the room really dark and put a puppet in the background or <laughs> put yeah, face yeah, paint on somebody kind of and just- Smoosh it off with lighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm. look, I'm glad they did, Douglas. Well, this came yeah. out three years after Alien, and I think Alien really set a new bar. It was probably how they managed yeah. to get as much funding as they did, like, sci-fi mm. horror. Yeah. Yeah, because um, someone comes in, they go, I've got the next alien, and then any fucking production studio will be like, ah, yes, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then, also, on the other end of that argument, you've got fucking Spielberg bringing in E.T., and then everyone went, oh, okay, so we're supposed to be a bit more benign and a little bit more, like, uh, casual with, with in regard to aliens. So then that kind of put another end on the reception of the thing, I think, as in comparing it to E.T., when E.T. is like, aliens, yeah! And then the thing is like, aliens, grim death horror, yeah. flames! <laughs> and E.T. only came out like two weeks before this? Yeah, um, again. Fucking- oh my goodness. Yep. And fun, like, fun factoid, the actor who played Clark turned down a role in E.T. to take the role in the thing. Oops. Wow. Oops. Nah, fucking good for him. Well, Absolutely. I yeah, would, if I were an actor, I would have much rather have been in the thing than to have been in E.T., personally. I think E.T. I think E.T. would have made you a lot more money if you were getting residuals. Douglas. Yeah, true, I guess. Yeah, in terms <laughs> of uh, box office earnings and, you know, getting out of the contract, probably didn't walk away with much. But hey, look here. <laughs> That's the actor's life. You know? Hey. <laughs> At least I'm fucking sure it was back then. Can I just pull out some, like, annoying, not annoying things? Well, no, actually, let's talk about the little cute- setting things that I really enjoyed. This is- um, Especially with the opening. So, there's, like I said, these, like, kind of establishing shots of everyone. I think there's, like, some people playing pool as one of those, and they jump to different rooms, and they don't have anyone really talking, like, saying anything important, which was great to just kind of go, like, these are the areas in there, and these are the people, and this is what happens when they're just hanging out, which was, like, great for kind of setting you up. And they continue to do stuff like that where there's, uh, I think, oh, no, when they're checking out the Norwegian camp, they're not sitting there, like, quipping to each other or going, like, oh, what is that? They're kind of just, like, wandering around and looking at stuff. And they do mention things when it's, like, important to do so. But it made it feel, I guess, more realistic. Not even, like, a stylistic choice. You kind of just made it feel like people doing their job and just going like what the fuck just happened let's work this out i always think of that as like not that i dislike marvel movies because i love a lot of them but like the marvelization mm. of cinema mm. yeah no one the can heavy shut the exposition fuck up. and yeah like everything needs to be an important thing and- or a joke like there's neither yeah, yeah yeah everything needs to be some huge climactic bigger picture within the the smaller picture yeah and they also sort of snap back to that. It's like at night time, they go to those same shots of the rooms with no one in them and all the lights are still on. And it's it's not spooky, spooky per se, but it does kind of increase the tension in a way that feels quite fair, which I liked a lot. You're sort of just like, 
what the fuck is going on in here? Mm. And I think the acting is pretty good throughout, actually. I, like, would you agree? Back me I up, agree. guys. Yeah, yeah. I reckon, yeah, yeah, Kurt Russell was <laughs> fucking solid. He does a very Kurt Russell job. And then it's the first time I've seen Wilford Brimley in something that isn't, like, a YouTube poop or a, a fucking <laughs> stupid bit or something. So that's pretty cool. He does a really good job. Yeah, I, there's this scene where they have just dealt with the dog thing where I think it's Wilfred Brimley as Blair and Richard Masser as Clark and Blair's just asking Clark how long he spent with the dog alone mm. um, and we're into spoiler territory now so like yes. you start oh, yeah, suspecting crazy. Clark immediately and then in the end like you find out that he actually he never was infected but Blair just looks at him and goes how long did you spend with the dog and yeah. on rewatch I was like oh that's actually I think my favourite scene at the moment because that's when you go like the tent you start to get that uh, yeah 100% once you know it's on the loose then the, you get the audience starting to make their own conclusions and make their own assumptions on who has it who isn't it like yeah I think that that's really really fun when the when the snowball starts rolling it, just, it doesn't stop which is yeah very good. They keep the pace up, which is solid for a fucking mm. hour and 48 minute movie. And that's kind of the, the, I think that's why the one or two scenes stood out where they were outside and they were talking to each other in like a really wooden way. And I think it was actually sort of just a disconnect with maybe not all the foley ended up in there or oh, I yes. think they were supposed yeah. to be talking over the wind. But I don't yeah. think the fact that it was, like, windy and blizzardy was, like, made clear enough. I, I, I want it to be, like, really dense snow, like, storms and that kind of shit. And you'd be like, oh, that's why they're talking like that, because they're shouting over stuff. But Definitely without that- Definitely sounded a bit ADR, didn't it? <laughs> unfortunately, a little bit. There talking were, about yeah, ADR, yeah. Douglas, mm-hmm. classic punch foley is back. The oh, yes. Like, <laughs> literally that noise <laughs> as, like, someone was- I think someone's, like- talk. Basically getting covered behind another character and just like- Yeah. Is there a Wilhelm scream in this? Oh, I don't think there is. Yeah, I don't think- Not that I heard, so hopefully not. Mm. I guess there's not enough characters that you could sort of like insert a Wilhelm scream without it being like so obvious it's uncomfortable. They should just like- Someone should redo some of the folly of that- uh, Where the Palmer thing is doing the like- Just put the Wilhelm scream. Yeah, there. just a little Wilhelm <laughs> scream. Just really far back in the mix. Just like tuck a little Wilhelm scream in there. Just to, just to bring it all together. Yeah. Actually, that said, there, I, I was saying I found all these complaints. But it's actually not that much because there was that windy, windy conversation he bit. I was like, this is so nitpicky. This is not barely worth mentioning. But there was the the rifle at the start of Norwegians like shooting at the dog. And there's like no muzzle flash on the gun. I'm like, that's a bit silly. And I think that- <laughs> I think that happens somewhere else when there's a gun and- Yeah, and when McCready shoots Clark, I think- mm. Yeah, which is mm. fine. Whatever. It's fine. This is- the uh, bi- Him pumping the shotgun loads into the dog in the cage, like it's nothing. Like, And the recoil of him, like, really, like, yeah. acting the recoil of the <laughs> shotgun. I was like, oh, bless you, cotton socks, Russell, you're working for Thank you, pay. Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> and my only other thing was that I didn't like the crossfade transitions they had. But on the other hand, there was a bit near the end where I think it's- Oh, yeah. I still think it's weird. Once they- I forget who it was again, but the guy who turns out to be the thing when they, like, do the blood test thing. Palmer? And, yeah, Palmer. They, like, set him on fire in the corner. Everyone's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, And then it's, like, a hard yeah. cut to them doing another test. That was yeah. that was a little odd. And they do a bunch of hard cuts after that, which sort of almost evens it out. But it's, like, mm, that's a bit weird. 
It's fine. It's felt, all right. You felt a little bit jarred. By yeah, it. yeah. But but most of the f- most of the f- truck crossfade transitions also felt like a little, just a little goofy. By a little, crossfade, do you a mean l- like the ones where they like it, like captures this still of someone and then it goes pew and fades to black. Yeah, well, it wasn't capturing a still, not like fucking. There's uh, the but there's the one of the dog where he's like he does the autopsy and he's like there it is and then it, like it's him like looking down it like captures that frame. Like it pauses on that frame and then it fades to black. I didn't. I didn't catch any ones that where it paused actually. But oh, yeah. but mm. but if it did that, I'd be. If I did notice, I'd be even more disparaging. So right. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> but besides that, actually, I really don't have heaps Fuel of complaints. And like the weird space noise that I mentioned before, that was just felt a little bit weird. It felt very eighties, like late seventies, eighties kind of sci-fi, mm. in like not the best way. But. Besides that, I mean, it's a cracker. Lots of love, yeah. Around yeah. that, yeah. That's it. That's all How I got. About you, Alex. You get any? You get any like nitpicks or anything coming out of it on your your fourth or fifth? Mm, I think I mentioned the the scene with like the Palmer thing where it's cutting and it's like different lighting, different yeah, it's a bit different film, crunchy, um, yeah, yeah. Some of the stiff ADR and I think a few of the special effects, which was also kind of mentioned off, are a bit plasticky. But, like, again, nothing that doesn't make it still an enjoyable rewatch. And still, oh, yeah. like, it, it, it was a 1982 film made on what was still, like, a smallish budget for a blockbuster back then. But I don't know. Should I should I watch a film thinking of that, keeping that in mind? Or should I, should I view it as a wholly blank slate, purely critical thing? You'll definitely yeah. enjoy it less if you do that. <laughs> <laughs> As yeah, we have yeah. learned. If you do it, if you do it how Jonathan's do it, you, you're definitely going to be, yeah, yeah, uh, coming out of it a little bit more grumpy pants. Mm, <laughs> the mm. sound of it. Um, I mean, I didn't really have anything to really talk about in terms of like what I didn't like. I just got really swept up in the energy of it. The dog, uh, fucking Jed. That is one of the best acting dogs i've ever seen in cinema he's amazing he's so well controlled he never like stood like he didn't look down like the barrel of the camera or anything at any point you could uh, you he's probably being led from like trainer to trainer to trainer you know but for a lot of the sequences but still like he was fucking jed's working for their pay and i hope that jed the dog the dog (laughs) is called jed i hope that they got their pay you know? I hope they got lots of treats. Extra kibbles. Mm-hmm. Extra yeah, kibbles. and belly rubs. The scene where it, like, stares out the window as they fly off to the Norwegian oh. base, I'm like, how how does a dog look so menacing? <laughs> <laughs> the dog knows too much. How does the dog capture, like, such a body language yeah. of, like, tension and, like, eh, that kind of energy? <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, I would have been shitting myself if I were Carpenter and I was <laughs> filming this dog that was doing this. I'd be like, it's gonna, it's gonna freak out. I <laughs> sound like, wait, cut. We got someone cut. on standby with treats. Yeah, cut, cut. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. I will say, there's one bit uh, that, I mean, uh, all of the gore and weird things that the thing does aside, the bit that caught me off guard is when they put the dog in the tool shed and they lock him up in there and then. They come back and they peep through the little door thing, mm. and it's oh. that sh- it's like shot for shot of them like talking. And I was like, okay, we're here for that. And then my eye drifted around the frame a little bit more, and then you see the fucking noose that's like <laughs> right there next to his head. And I was like, how is that not the first thing not- that you saw? Yeah. No, I didn't see it at all. Like <laughs> I just I was completely on him, and I was like, okay, I'm listening to it because I think I was looking for something to to connect that he mm. was the thing to connect that he was infected, but. I like, yeah, I let my eye drift and I saw the fucking noose and I was like, 
Whoa, did not see that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just thought I'd share that with you, because that's a very rare lapse in my concentration. It's a little funny, the... They find the UFO, the second UFO that the doc is being building, and then they kind of mm. just blow it up, and it's like, all right, well, that's um, well, that's handled. That. And obviously, it has value for you to go like, okay, well, we now know the the doc is compromised, the doc is, but yeah, it's it's <laughs> just like compromised. the 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 UFO under the ice is um, yeah. it's a concept that exists for about seven minutes, and then it gets blown yeah, up yeah. again. Actually, funny the noose. Because um, John Carpenter pulled a lot of inspiration from, and then there were none. Um, mm. yep. I'm not sure if either of you have read and or seen any of that. We're both shaking our heads. There is a noose. <laughs> I can't say anything else without spoiling it. And I wonder if that wasn't partially inspired by it, because it is a very, like, iconic thing that occurs in that story, the noose. I think John's looking it up because his eyebrows are fucking, they're flying up off his forehead at the moment, so he's- <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! What are you looking at, John? Oh my god. Okay, so I just hooked it up on Wikipedia and the cover is- Oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, for- 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 I'm gonna censor myself. Ten Little N-Words yes. is, the, is the title- the original title. Literally, Ten Little N-Words. Yep. Oh! <laughs> Hard R. Good. Oh, thanks, Agatha Christie. <laughs> Fucking hell. And God. they only changed that in 1984. Whoa. That's so wild because, and then there were none is like an amazing title. That's, That's so great- cool. Yeah. Oh my wow. God. And only by 1984 did someone go, hat. Hmm. <laughs> can we, can we review this? <laughs> I think I've got a better one. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. God, how weird. Well, I didn't really have that much else to say. I just like that the 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 fact that it kind of brings everyone down to that like primal state when when humans get put in that kind of a situation. We're all fucking animals because like when when shit's really hitting the fan amongst all of them, they all fucking bare their teeth and they get all like ah against each other. Um, and that's really fucking how humans work. Like when shit hits the fan, i.e., a pandemic, we all become fucking animals, and it's it's it gets a little bit chaotic and scary. Hoarding toilet paper. Hoarding toilet paper fucking physical abuse over toilet paper amongst uh rapid antigen tests and other things it's um uh yeah it's interesting to see it's a pretty common theme throughout a lot of carpenters work like i mm. have you guys mm. you've watched big trouble in little china have you seen um God. i've seen halloween and then there was i'm trying to think because there's this apocalypse trilogy they live yep they live oh god i'm just having like the yeah, biggest this is the mental first in the apocalypse uh, trilogy and then i think it goes pretty Prince of Darkness, Darkness and Into the Mouth yeah. of Madness. That's it. And there's I've that, like, yeah, that commonality of distrust, like the the enemy within, which is also depending on how big brains you want to go, arguably um, influenced by the fact that you know a lot of the McCarthyism and Cold War era, um, Red Scare stuff. Yeah. And uh, John Carpenter's They Live is also a big critique of Reaganism of the 80s. America was in the middle of a big recession. And yeah, anyway, too big brain for, to, for me. <laughs> I thought you were going to say too big brain for the 25. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Well, well fuck, I guess we've got to rebrand the not podcast. Un- not untrue. <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm, I'm faith in the listeners that they are far more big brained and listening to me poorly, poorly analyze these films. Alex- Alex, this is something we talk about on a weekly basis. Of course our listeners are smarter than we are. We, we just fucking, we talk out into the ethos. God. Yeah. I, the thing is a cool movie. <clears throat> yes, That's it. I agree. 
<laughs> I enjoy. Cool. I look forward to reading your letterbox review, Douglas. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Well, talking as, about letterbox, Douglas. Do you have any trivia? <laughs> <laughs> There's no trivia on the letterbox, Jonathan. You silly fuck. Uh, I do have some trivia. There's a, a fuck ton of trivia on the thing, as you would expect out of a cult classic film. And I've just grabbed a couple of little highlights that I found uh, particularly interesting. Part of the fear underlying the story was the rising fear of AIDS then making itself known. The idea that you couldn't tell who was infected just by looking at them, only blood tests would reveal it, was not lost on the writers. Cleverly, (laughs) says this trivia person, on the wall of the outpost's rec room where the infamous blood test scene occurs, hangs a World War II era poster warning of the dangers of sexually transmitted diseases, showing a cartoon of an exaggeratedly promiscuous woman holding a tag marked I have VD. The poster bears the title They Aren't Labeled Chum, encapsulating the idea of the plot that dangers can be as destructive as they are hidden. Oy, oy, oy. Actually tying into that, like it's a research, isolated research base of all men because AIDS is obviously hitting yeah. the gay community. Very the gay hard. community, that's correct. An idea that, yeah, was definitely, I was, in the blood test scene, I was trying to read it, but I got too caught up in the, the actual, like what was happening with the blood test to actually like fully like figure out what the hell it said. So I was very pleased to find that little bit of trivia there. Mm. At around the one hour and 24 minute mark, Kurt Russell was almost injured in the scene where he blows up the alien palmer with a stick of dynamite. Apparently he had no idea exactly how big of an explosion it would produce, and the reaction that he has in the movie is genuine. (laughs) (laughs) That was a big explosion. Carpenter just like, I just lie over there and throw it at the thing. (laughs) Fucking hell. You got it. Two characters in the movie are named Mac, McCre- uh, McCready's shorthand nickname, and Windows, a nickname inspired by the fact that the character always wears glasses. Since the film was made in 1982, this is purely coincidental and has nothing to do with Apple's and Microsoft's, Microsoft's famous rival tech brands. I didn't even put that together until I read that <laughs> and I was like, am I dumb or are these people oh, dumb for pointing it out? <laughs> oh my god. McCready and Windows. <laughs> no, yeah, I didn't notice that. Mac and Windows. That's so cute. I'd never thought about it Fuck until me. then. Where's the Linux yeah. character? <laughs> <laughs> that was, the, that was the you, you had to wait till the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit, little bit longer. Yep. Uh, Nick Nolte turned down the role of McCready, as did Jeff Bridges. Bill Lancaster wrote the script with Harrison Ford and Clint Eastwood in the lead role, and both men were considered. On top of this, a relatively unknown Fred Ward campaigned for the role. Christopher <laughs> Walken as well, almost cast. Wow. Yep. I could see that. Chris- oh, oh, actually, nah, Walken was too handsome in the 80s. Walken was a fucking... Oh. Yeah. If the deer hunter is anything to gauge it off of. Walken was a fucking fitty. So, yeah, no. Kurt, you got to have that, that gruffness. Yeah. He's very... Yeah, yeah. The two, the two roles I've had him in as a military helicopter pilot and a trucker, <laughs> they both work very well, but... Yeah. He grimes up good. You know how mm. people like dress up well? Kurt Russell grimes up good. Mm. He does. Yep. Yeah, opposite end of the spectrum. Yep. At around one hours and four minutes, uh, Joel Polis, who plays Fuchs, confirmed that he was grabbing a flask of acid when McCready disturbs him while working in case he tried to attack him. I did wonder about that. I was like, uh... is he grabbing like the, the stuff that he's like testing on or is it what was going on there? But yeah, it was acid. Uh-huh. I thought that was kind of cool. As the film moved into post-production, Rob Botton found himself virtually living at the studio. He was forced to break from this, however, when he was diagnosed with exhaustion and admitted to a hospital. Oh my goodness. Fucking hell. Clinical grade Button. exhaustion. Oh. Fuck I mean, like, me. it's become a cult classic, but imagine, 
Imagine at the time the film comes out, he's put in all this work, he was admitted in the hospital for exhaustion, and all the critics were just like, no, garbage, <laughs> I hate it, go away. I would just feel so distraught. Was the I, I wonder, like, the critics back then, it had to be complaints about it being, like, obscene, surely, like, yeah, it being, like, too gory. gory. Was was yeah. the thing they th- they actually praised the effects in terms of the quality, but just thought it was like way over the top. It was just too much. Yeah, yeah. So according to John Carpenter, he takes all his failed movies pretty hard, but the film's initial negative reception disappointed him the most. Not only was it a box office bomb, but critics panned its gory effects, tone, and characters. Vincent Camby called it quote too phony looking to be disgusting. It qualifies only as instant junk. Dave Kerr wrote that it was quote. Hard to tell who's being attacked and hard to care, end quote. Oof. Likewise, Roger Ebert was disappointed by the, quote, superficial characterizations and the implausible behavior, end quote, and dismissed the film as nothing more than an alien knockoff. Carpenter was particularly upset when Christian Nyby, the director of the original The Thing from Another World in 1951, publicly denounced Carpenter's version, saying, quote, If you want blood, go to the slaughterhouse. All in all, it's a terrific commercial for JB and Scotch. End quote. In response to the commercial bombing of the film, the studio cancelled the multi-picture deal they had with Carpenter, who noted that his career would have been different if the film had been successful. Not surprisingly, he was extremely relieved when the film enjoyed a rich cult success following its home video release, along with the critical re-evaluation it received. Hmm. So it all came together in the end. You can hop over to RogerEbert.com and there are two separate posts... There is... <laughs> There's, like, one where he's panning it. January 1st, 1982, The Thing, 2.5 stars. I think I think, I think think Roger Ebert is out of four. Yes. Um, which is just annoying, but anyway. And then, <laughs> directly after that, Whale Carey, October 27, 2020. Why The Thing is one of the most effective horror movies ever made. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. What a Okie dokie. Yep. Different review, but like I actually really like it when Ebert would go and re-review films. Mm. He always seems so level-headed for a film critique. Film critic, critic, yeah, critic, critic. The the uh, the work of a critic. Uh, the Norwegian dog in the film was named Jed. He was a half wolf, half Malamute breed. Jed was an excellent animal actor. Never looked at the camera, the dolly, or the crew members. Jed, however, is not the dog seen in the beginning chase scene where the Norwegian is trying to shoot him. Per Carpenter's commentary, this was another dog painted to look like Jed. <laughs> Interesting. Fucking, why didn't they just use Jed? I guess Jed didn't run. He was off in his trailer. Just fucking <laughs> chilling out with some kibble. Yeah, yeah. Put his yeah he has a stunt dog for Je- that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The agent, the agent went, hey, Jed doesn't run, all right? Jed acts. So if you want him to run, you get another dog and you paint him to look like Jed. And then he goes, Jet to the trailer. And then Jet, like, runs off to the trailer. <laughs> Funnily enough, in that scene, the Norwegians, if you if you can understand Norwegian, are shouting, that's mm. not a dog, that's a thing. That dog is just a, a thing. thing. Yeah. Uh. In the video game tie-in, uh, also called The Thing, <laughs> 2002, it is revealed that McCready survives and is picked up by a search and rescue team while Childs freezes to death. John Carpenter stated that the game is canon. Fucking why? <laughs> Whatever, it's, Carpenter. It, it's, it's, your, all, it's, like, it's like Blade Runner again, where it, they... <laughs> I'm giving John a look right now. What? 
<laughs> no, I, no, no, no. There's uh, the director was like, here's a canon ending after like a bunch of like fussing and it ruins the point of a cliffhanger ending. Yeah. Which yeah. is funny because Carpenter came out and said that during filming he considered he, as in, in, in his mind, uh, McCready was infected at the end. Check this out. According to an apocryphal story first reported on Reddit in February of 2013, when asked about the ambiguous ending of the film, John Carpenter responded that he never understood how there could be any confusion about whether Charles or McCready are human or not. Because the last scene shows, quote, Kurt Russell and Keith David staring each other down, harshly backlit. It's completely, glaringly obvious that Kurt Russell is breathing and Keith David is not. Oh, didn't say that. So there you go. I should check. So uh, the lighting effects guys actually lit the faces of infected crew members differently from halfway through the movie. So, like, if you look really, really closely, and I, I read this and I went back and watched, like, those scenes because that's the kind of person that I am, is you can <laughs> see the reflection of light in their eyes, but from, yeah, about the halfway mark. So, like, it's really obvious if you watch the blood testing scene that Palmer there's no reflection in his eyes you cannot see any light reflected in his eyes and that's actually a deliberate thing and someone pointed out that Childs is lit the same way in the ending um, but whether that's oh. a production issue or a issue deliberate or whether it yeah. Is, yeah maybe Carpenter's just whipping that out of his ass and going like, hey that's what it is because yeah he seems to fucking change it <laughs> what every, was, the, like- was the actual visual effects guys that came out and said it um, that they they had deliberately chosen to light had made that choice yeah Mm, interesting well that's all the the trivia that i found interesting did you have any trivia tidbits that i hadn't otherwise mentioned alex i know you're a a (laughs) bit of a jargon for trivia um i I feel like i've been interjecting with them no no the one like keith david it was very like because the last episode of the 250 he was a voice actor in the english version of princess mononoke um and i just finished the mass effect trilogy like literally three hours (laughs) before we watching it so every time he spoke i'm like all i'm hearing is captain anderson all I'm hearing is Captain Anderson. <laughs> um, so. Oh, uh, God. Yes. He he went on to... He's got a couple of voice acting credits. He's got a lot of voice like, acting credits. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. He's, he does the gruff drill sergeant or, like, military veteran very well. Yeah. Oh, he sounds like the one of the captains in... Um, not the like. I think he's like a captain in like Halo Combat Evolved as well. Like, yeah, he's, he's not he's, him. He yeah. plays the Arbiter in Halo. Yeah. Oh, um, motherfucker! No way. Yep. Wow. Good for him. Can confirm this eye lighting thing. I just uh, just checked it. Yep. You've been working it. Just giving a little squeeze. Taking a peek. Holy shit! I'm looking at Keith David's credits. So yeah, Halo, Mass Effect, Archer, Spawn, Gargoyles, Saints Row, um, Adventure Time. Yep. Inuyasha. Whoa! Wow! He's totally. Wait a minute. Charles is totally breathing. There's like gusts of fog in front of his face. <laughs> Carpenter, we're calling you out. <laughs> what the fuck? It's not as bright as the one in front of Kurt Russell's face, but it's still there. Well. Anyway, whatever. Jonathan, you got to bring that up with Carpenter. Yeah, no, Don't bring it up with me. I'm just the middleman. I'm just the messenger. Yeah. Oh, well. Don't, don't come after me. Uh, well, yeah. if uh, you enjoyed this episode of the 250 podcast, we do new episodes every week, Tuesday midnight, Australian Eastern Standard Time, which comes out to Monday afternoons in Europe and Monday mornings in America. Douglas, where can people go if they want to check out more info on the podcast? If you want just a neat little repository for the podcast, you can open up your favorite web browser and type in www.250.com. That's T-W-O-F-I-V-E-O-H dot com. 
Uh, Jonathan is currently in the process, like literally. I'm looking, I looking say, at, I'm looking at the code on my other display right literally now. Literally, as we speak, working on coding the. Not uh, as we speak, Douglas. I'm, I'm. What you think? I'm an amateur that bloody double tasks here, Douglas. My full <laughs> attention is on the podcast right now. Let's ignore. Oh, that's what we like to hear, Jonathan. Let's ignore the last five minutes where I was watching the thing well, on the screen. No, screen. As, as we're speaking to the <laughs> airwaves, you're probably going to be working on the website right oh, now. Yeah. When this yeah, yeah, episode yeah. is released, okay, yes. you're probably going to be working on it. Sure. So, Jonathan is working on coding the website 250.com. It's going to look snazzy as fuck. There's already a bunch of great resources on there. You can listen to the podcast on there. There's a link to the Instagram on there. And there's a link to the list of the snapshot that we took back in January of 2020, which is now two years ago. And it still fucks me up. Douglas and I both use Letterboxd. Alex, are you on Letterboxd? There's someone with your, like, regular handle on here, but they've got no... no... I, I don't oh, want anybody to, to critique my own critique, because I already know that I oh. have bad opinions. Someone flogged your <laughs> handle, dude. What? I'm, I'm sorry. You have to send me the link. Yeah. Well, you can probably work out what it is, but um, <laughs> Douglas and I, not Alex, both use uh, Letterboxd, which is a uh, film tracking and reviewing website that we're great big fans of. My account is Upa, that is U-U-U-P-A-H, and Douglas. My account is Ienzo Knight, I-E-N-Z-O-K-N-I-G-H-T, Ienzo Knight. You can look up either 250, Upa, or Ienzo Knight in the Letterboxd search engine and you will find us. We do written reviews of all the uh, films that we review here for the 250, as well as anything else that we watch in our spare time. I put up a review for, uh, there's a two-minute short on YouTube called uh, the <laughs> Thingu. Which is uh, Pingu's The Thing. It's a little stop, mo- it's a two minute stop motion animation of the, of like a very like Cliff Notes, Spark Notes uh, summary of The Thing, uh, just with Pingu characters. <laughs> and uh, it's directed by, what's his name? Lee Hardcastle, who does the animation and everything in between for it. Uh, he does a lot of other fucked up horror stuff, and I watched one that he does on The Simpsons. Genuinely fucked me up a little bit, not gonna lie. So, um, yeah, if you're into, like, cool horror stuff, go check that out. The the, the Pingu one is genuinely quite funny as well. I, I found it very cute. It's very well animated, and he gets the, the essence of the Swiss Pingu. Uh, very, very, very nicely. Postman Pat's pet cemetery. He did. <laughs> what does he do when he runs over and flattens his cat Jess? <laughs> Is it like They're pet cemetery dark. spelt with the S as well? Yeah, yeah, like Is that it, pet yeah, cemetery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I should watch God. that. Yeah. Did you watch anything, John? I'm assuming not. I did, Douglas. You know what I watched <gasps> this morning? You, this, morning this morning, Douglas. I watched. Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. The best <laughs> one! Yay! The best Fast and the Furious. <laughs> best Fast and Furious, baby! Oh, it's I excellent. Will, That's I will a great die movie. on this hill. <laughs> that movie is excellent. It's, it's so, so, so good. good. The best Fuck part yeah. about it- The best part about it is I don't have to deal with any of the characters from that. People who, like- Look, like what you like, but I cannot take the the full-scale canon of Fast and Furious seriously. And I I entirely respect you if you watch the Fast and Furious. You're like, those are silly kind of fun movies. But if you're just like, other people are like, it's a great series. It's all about family. It's about the importance of family. And I'm like, no, bro, it's just a bunch of guys who steal shit. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> and you don't have to deal with that until about the last three minutes of the film. So it's 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 good shit. It's excellent. It's a great one. It is. It is objectively an incredible film in mm. every aspect. Piece of cinema. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Better than the thing. It is, it is Kino. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. 
Thank you for being on the podcast, Alex. Uh, it was lovely to have you back again. And I think we've got you penciled in for a couple more films later on down the track. So yeah, I think I convinced, to you here again. I think I convinced John to let me in on maybe some more future science fiction horrors as they are probably one oh, of my favourite genres. But Surely we've alien. got we've things got like Alien. Alien, we have about four people who want to do that. So I think we'll I did it first, yeah. to be honest. But like, we'll, I'll, see, how I'll that, we'll see how that people. pans out. Is it going to be a packed house where we all get drunk and then we all sit down and talk about Alien? <laughs> that would be sick. You should do a serious <laughs> one and then a let's get fucked up. And, and, and then yeah. let's get fucked up and talk about Alien. I'm good for that. Well, here's the thing, you see. <laughs> well, here's the thing. <laughs> What's the thing, John? <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> it's just going to be half an hour of like me just making like ogre noises at that like 10 second shot of, of Sigourney Weaver in the end. <laughs> humana, humana. Fuck. Humana. Sigourney Weaver. I barely know her. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for tuning in to the 250. We'll see you next week. <laughs> oh, see you later, guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye, team. Oh, my goodness. Fucking hell, Douglas.